Hey, Coffee Breakers. This is just a warning to let you know that this episode contains adult content and may be disturbing to some listeners. Please take caution and listener discretion is advised. Michel Fournieret, the French forest ranger, had been charged in Belgium for abducting minors and indecent assault. His wife has just accused him of murdering nine children and young girls. Hey, Coffee Breakers. It's me, AC. And Scully. And we are true criminal with you guys today. Yes. And Scully has found a... Another one. Another one. Um... And this, it actually comes from France. So we're going international. Yes. Um, and I'm going to let, I know nothing or I know very close to nothing. Yeah, you know, little bits and pieces that so, I was like, can you believe? Yeah. And you'll get some real honest, true reactions here. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to go ahead and apologize to any of our listeners from France. I don't know how to say the names wonderfully, but I'm going to do my best. Right. Just remember, we're from South Carolina. Um, I was born and raised in South Carolina, so the accent's here to stay. Um, and she was raised in South Carolina, raised, yeah. so same thing. But born in Arkansas, still Southern, so. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so just, you know, bear with us. We do not mean to offend you. No, and I just found, my, actually, my mother was watching this one, and I was like, what is that? And we had just talked about... Um, was it Carly? Is that her name? Yeah, Carly Russell. So we were talking about um, what happened with Carly Russell. Thank God she's home. Yes. But the fact that there may have been a child used to take her. Yeah. And um, just very, very upset about that. Well, my mom was talking. Well, she's like, I think they used something like this in this case. And I was like, all right, now I have to watch it. So Right. This is on Netflix. Um it's called Accessory to Evil, and this particular episode is called The Monster's Wife. I say episode. It is a five-part series. Okay. So there are five fully dedicated episodes to this case in France. And this is going to be a two-parter for us. Yeah, because I want to give you a full—there's so much. And I, I was going to just squeeze it in, but I'd rather give you a full picture and let you come along the journey. Yes. Oh, also, I want everybody to know right quick that— Finally, finally, finally heard back from New Jersey uh, State Medical mm-hmm. um, Officer about Tiffany Valente. Um, hopefully going to get some additional records soon. Yeah. And then if there is anything to update, we'll be doing an update. Yep. All right. So we open with 2003. Um, 20 years ago. I know, right? It seems wrong that yeah. it's 20 years ago. Okay. You are hearing from a little girl who stated that a man came up to her. He was in a van, um, asked her for directions, said that, you know, he needed he needed help. She willingly got into the van. I'm like, things must be different. More, I don't know. Because here it'd be like red flag. The van itself is red flag. But <laughs> maybe that's just because I'm no, jaded. No offense to any van drivers out there. No, but it was a white van, just saying, like, I mean, you know, whatever. So She's a young girl. My SO drives a windowless white van. I would never talk to him. For work. <laughs> yes. Um, there's two windows in the back. Nope. But the sides mm-hmm. doesn't have any. And so every time I see it, I, I immediately go to the windowless white van. Like, that's, you know. Yeah. We pass the house going to my brother. And my daughter, every time she sees it, is like, mm, kidnapper van. And it's just somebody's van. It's somebody's it's like, work van. I think it's like a church van. Yeah. But, yeah, my kid's like, mm-mm, because it doesn't have any writing on it, you know. Yeah. So that's... I digress. We, yes, we digress. Sorry, I just thought <laughs> you should know that. Um, <coughs> she says a man asked her for directions, so she got in the van to be helpful to him. She said as soon as she got in, his eyes glazed over. He asked her right off, are you a virgin? And... It doesn't say whether she answered or not. I'm sure it was just shock. And she said, um, then he says he's going to take her virginity. She said, she asked him, are you going to kill me? And he smiled ear to ear, like I think Cheshire Cat. Yeah. And told her no. Mm -hmm. But very clearly. Yes. That's exactly. Um, He tied her hands and her feet and threw her in the back of the van. 
bless this child. I meant to get her age before we started for having the composure to be in that back of the van. And she was with it enough to untie herself or get herself loose. Yeah. So as soon as he stopped at like a red light or a stop sign, it's not really clear. She bolted out the back. Like it yeah. wasn't locked and she got out. Um, she's running the way that the documentary describes it. Like she's running down. So she gets out of the back of the van and she's just running straight. Yeah. She runs into another car and tells them what just happened. You know, I need help. Um, and if, I don't know if maybe he flipped around, was trying to come after her. Probably. But the car, or if he was going, I don't know. But that car got her, and they crossed paths with the kidnapper, mm-hmm. and they were able to get the information to go to the police station. Gotcha. So call police off. They get all that stuff down, and he was arrested. And this is where you meet Michael. I'm going to murder this name now. I'm nervous about saying it, so I'm going to say it wrong. Fortnay. Fortnay, yeah. Okay. Um, you meet him. He is a French forest ranger from S- Sedan, is how you want to say it, but I think they call it Sedan. Okay. Um, he's ar- arrested in Belgium. He, they show you a picture of this man, and he is so basic looking. <laughs> like... I mean, he just looks so unsuspecting. Like, he doesn't have, like, that creeper vibe. He doesn't have that look. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. He just doesn't have it. Now, later on in the documentary, 100% has it. But at the very beginning, he just looks like just a Joe Schmo. Like, just basically. you would never. He didn't. He give doesn't me, have tattoos on his face. Well, he didn't give me, like, red flag. Like, it was like he just looks. Like anybody you could pass on the street. Yeah. Which like, is terrifying. Yeah. We'd like to think that there's red. I like to think there's like a literally like a sign, sign across the head. Like, but. But there's, there's not for everybody. So yeah. Normal, which just scares me. So he lives in, they start to go look at his stuff, you know, police work. We've got a suspect now. So we're going to look at his stuff. He lives in this little small town. It's like a remote village. There's like only 150 inhabitants, inhabitants. There's two streets. Um, and they start looking at, like, through his property. So he was arrested on 626 of 03. Okay. And on 627 of 03, they're at his property. They automatically think something's up. Like, this is not just a one-time thing. Like, this man's done this before. Yeah. So they start going through all of his stuff. Like, they used geo, geo radars in his garden. They had excavators out there. Like, they didn't want to miss anything. They had dogs. It showed dogs out there just literally going through this man's property and which property this his house the one in the little village yes that's all we know that's all we know yes okay um in this particular area because it is so remote there's like a culture of like discretion like your business is your business my business is my business we don't american culture we don't like you do you i do me like we don't, I'm not going to tell anybody your business. And they don't see something, say something. Correct. It's he the opposite. says code of silence. Yeah. And he used a word and I wrote it down, but I can't read my writing, but I'd never heard it before and I meant to Google it. Um, but anyway, code of silence. Um, they did talk to the neighbors like directly. And a few of them did talk. They described them as quote, sad people, sad people, <laughs> people <laughs> who don't enjoy life. Um, they talked to another neighbor. This is all from neighbors. They said they came here 10 years ago. They bought the house. At first, it was fine, but then he disappeared, talking about um, Michelle. I said Michael, didn't I, Fortnite? You did. It's Michelle. That's how it's M-I-C-H-E-L. Yes. So Michelle, he just disappeared into the house, and they never saw him again. Like, I he guess they'd see him. coming out. I guess they'd see him like in passing or he came out at certain times, but he didn't. It wasn't like a traditional get up, go to work. Like they thought he worked from home. Okay. Um, another neighbor described him as being aggressive with the neighbors that if any animal, particularly cats, got into his garden, he would kill them. Like he was very, just not a nice neighbor. Gotcha. Sad people. Another one said that he and his wife were kind of like friends, that they didn't act like a normal couple. Um, one neighbor, I guess, that the wife, which her name is uh, Monique, she confided in, stating that he no longer found her attractive. Like, she knew that about the couple. 
that she was very nice. The wife was very nice and gentle, but didn't express any kind of emotion. Like she didn't smile. She didn't do anything. She's just very just blind. deadpan. Yes. Yeah. So while investigating, Monique and her, it's spelled almost like Oliver, but it's Olivier. I think is how you say it. Olivier. Olivier arrived and detectives this was so mean but the detective that was talking on the documentary was like she had no noticeable features then he says she looked like a witch well which one is it well i'm like yeah because witches have notable features right but well, no. of course i'm thinking like halloween witches i know big nose wore like no. yeah but he he legit said it like no notable features but then she looked like a witch and then he goes but maybe that's a bit excessive and then it says she had long black hair. So maybe that's what it was. Maybe. And then he describes her as having an uh, apathetic face. So just, again, deadpan. Mm-hmm. Just no no facial expression. Right. So nothing had been released to the press at this point. So she didn't even know he had been arrested. But his overnight absence didn't phase her at all. Like, he apparently did this on a regular basis. Um, she hey. told detectives, he does what he wants. He lives the life he wants. They just, detectives described her as, like, submissive and quiet, that she never looked up from her feet. So the whole time she's talking, her head's down, and she didn't look up to them at all. Which is weird. It is weird. Um, they, the house, they assume she was just isolated at the house. Okay. Right. They go into the house. The house is super messy. Like, it shows you just bits and pieces of it, and it's, it's pretty nasty. Um, they went down into his cellar, which is always, <laughs> always like, okay. Well, let's see what we're going to find yeah. here. <laughs> so they found handcuffs, children's clothing, children's clothing. I apologize. I can't speak today. Mask for putting people to sleep. And the mask they showed almost looked like a dog muzzle, but like a hole in the center. So I don't know if it's like an old school, like they put something there, you breathe it in. Like, I don't know. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. I don't know either. So, like, when I had my oral surgery, they put a mask on me that was just, like, go over my nose and mouth, just a very small. Yeah. And it had, like, two little holes where I guess carbon monoxide could come out while I was breathing the stuff in. Maybe. But I, I don't think it's what the same thing that you're describing. Yeah, I'd never seen anything quite like it. But um, oh. They had condoms. It makes the distinction between pistols and handguns. And me and AC did have this conversation. To me, those are the same thing. Yeah, we're American. So a gun's gun. Right. Um, rope, scotch tape. And again, I was like, scotch tape must mean something different because I don't think present wrapping tape is going to work. I'm thinking duct tape is what scotch tape is in France. Yes, I would agree. I didn't Google it, though. Yeah, I'm, common sense is going to tell us that's probably what it is. Some industrial tape. Um, yeah, he had gags, ski mask, and then all type of things that burglars would use. Um, it said an inhaler mask and ether bulbs. Oh, ether will put you out. What are ether bulbs? Maybe uh, that's what went in the mask because there was a hole. Yeah, I have no idea. I've never heard of ether bulbs, but I know ether will put you like put you out. Okay, so maybe that was for that. I don't yeah, know. Probably. I have ether bulbs question mark because I was not familiar with them. Okay. Um, So they go back to the wife because they're like, okay, this is weird. This was in your house. Right. How are you going to not know nothing? Right. They assume that she was a pushover just because the way that she presents herself and like head down. She didn't know anything. Um, But they're like, "Mm -mm. this man is at minimum a serial pedophile because of all the stuff we've just found. But he may even be a child murderer. Like we've got to, there's something here. Right. This isn't. Normal. Well, yeah. So it cuts you, right? I cut you to 2000. So we're going back three years. Going back three years, okay. And you meet um, another officer, and he called law enforcement. It's an off duty officer calling law enforcement to let them know that his niece, Celine, had disappeared. The police initially thought she was a runaway, but the uncle was like, there's no way. Can I just say, I'm glad it's not exclusive to the United States. I know, it's automatic. It's, it's automatic. Runaway. Like if they're like 10 and above, they just run away. Right. And he was like, no, you know, this is more. Well, in July of that same year, her body was found in Belgium, just across the border, like into Belgium. Okay. May 5th, 2001, another girl disappeared in Sudan, 13-year-old, last seen leaving the media library. Again, thought it was a runaway. Her name is Manana Tupong. 
Okay. That's the little girl's name. She was supposed to be home at 5 p.m. And you hear from her stepfather. Mom never speaks because it's traumatic. Yeah. Um, she was supposed to be home at 5 p.m., but she never showed. And when she didn't show, her mom knew immediately something was wrong. Oh, yeah, 100%. So mom went out with her own picture, like, through the whole area asking, have you seen her, have you seen her, have you seen her? Um, missing until March of the next year. And she was found in Belgium as well. Again, just right across the line? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, she was a little bit farther. Like, it shows you a little map, and it shows her just a little bit farther down. Yeah. But in that same general, Air. I think it said, like, 20 kilometers. Okay. I don't know exactly. Uh, we don't know what that is in miles. We right. don't. We can't do the metric system. Right. <laughs> but if you know, <laughs> let us know. But anyway, they knew that the two cases were linked, but they didn't really have anything to go on because this is 2000s, and the the doc, the detective even talks about there's no CCTV, there's no cell phones. Like, right. we're not working 2000s. with GPS stuff. Like, wasn't right. the same. Yeah. So we go to July 2003. 2003. Okay. Going back up. They go and interview Fortnay, and he is just super, super manipulative and cunning and just non-compliant. It talks about at one point during this um, documentary that they interviewed this man like over 100 times, mm-hmm. and like he didn't give them squat. Right. Um, so they're like, all right, we've got to figure something out. Let's go back to Monique because clearly the way she's presenting herself this is the weak link like she knows more than she's letting on they work on her but again she's closed off quiet withdrawn they think that maybe she's fearful of him they talk about and i found this so weird like asking her a question and that she again wouldn't look at you head to the ground her that's gonna drive me crazy right I keep thinking, look at me, look at my eyes, <laughs> but whatever. I would have said that. She leans forward, her hair falls in front of her face, and there would be like these really, really long pauses. And then she'd either shake her head yes or shake her head no. But she never like verbally would say anything. Or she'd, if she said it was very like meek, like yes, and her head would move that way. Okay. Um, I just keep picturing the girl from the ring now. Because the hair. Yeah, you keep saying that. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so she, there's a couple times that they show her, and it kind of looks like that in the documentary. <laughs> so you're not, you're not far off. Cool. Um, she, she claims to know nothing. They thought she's protecting him, or, again, she's afraid of him, um, maybe due to violence. She, I guess she must have told him at some point that he spends days away, that he'll get in the van and, like, take a loaf of bread and some ham and just stay in the van. For days at a time. That's not odd to anybody. Like, that wasn't... Law enforcement was like, Kay. And she's like, I don't know anything, though. And they're like, mm. Mm. Did That's kind of weird. Yeah. Most people don't eat sandwiches in their van for days. Like... Right. Just slept in the van. And so... Where'd you go to the bathroom? Right. So they start building their case and trying to retrace his steps. So they... are able to trace it back to an area and it's by like the receipts like finding okay he said he went out on here to this day so like he went to this grocery store like that kind of stuff like traced him back that way so that's some that's some good police work yeah um that's some due diligence they traced it all the way back to 1987 i was three so that's when you meet you hear about isabel i'm not gonna try to butcher her last name her case is still unsolved. She was a young girl that um, went missing. I'm flipping back because it starts out with her. She was 17, and she was last seen wearing dark blue um, coat, jeans, and T-shirt. She was supposed to come home, um, I think it was December 11th of 87. She was supposed to come home. Her, her mom stayed up like all night waiting for her. Every sound she heard, she's like running to the door, but just gone like mom there was nothing she was supposed to be home and she wasn't did do they know where she was before or like was she at school i think she was at like a friend's house i think she was walking she was coming home from somewhere okay um so when it tells you this part in the documentary it's in 2000 that they were still at 2003 and France had really like rallied around this mama to like try to find this girl like they were having events and holding all these things like trying to bring awareness to her to hopefully 
somebody say something. Yeah, and that was in 1987 when she left, right? Yeah, and all this stuff's happening in 2003. Okay. Um, So it's like 17 years mom just didn't know anything? I was three. I was born. Yeah. Like, just just gone of not knowing anything. God bless. So now we're into June of 2004. He's been detained for a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. They had the over 100 interviews. He said nothing. Fortney was going to be freed unless they could find a serious offense. So, yeah, he did have the kidnapping or attempted kidnapping of this girl. But that's it. That's the only thing they had him on. So let's talk about attempted charges okay. for just a second because I just want to throw out there. Me and my SO had this deep conversation. That and he truly believes that you, there should not be like you can charge him with attempted, but that the sentence should not be um, lighter because you you suck at it, whatever you attempted to do. Right. So attempted robbery, just because you're bad at it, doesn't mean that you get less prison time. Attempted murder, same thing. Just because you didn't actually kill him, yeah. You know, you made the attempt. And I the, mean, kidnapping. I guess. The same. See, I don't know what it is in France, so I don't know if like. I have no idea. Because, I mean, they specifically said he was going to be freed unless they could find something. So it must not be too much of a, like, a huge sentence. And he'd been in for about a year. Right. So maybe it would be, like, a time served and he's done. Because he didn't assault her in any way other than... Tie her up. I know, but, like, I agree. But I'm saying, like, he didn't do anything, like... He didn't have the chance He didn't get a chance to do anything physical to her. Um, So they were at the... They're, like, oh, crap. Like, we've got to do something. So they call Monique in again, and they're like, all right, like, here we go. Like, you're going to give us something. They could tell that she was already, like, at, she was starting to crack a little bit. Okay. So they had four different detectives around her, like, each of them, like, saying stuff, like, really, like. Just yelling at her. Yeah, that's what I picture. Um, And she cracks, finally, on the 22nd of June in 2004. She tells the detective, it's true. I haven't told you everything. Um, he would go out into his van and pick up girls or, quote, hunt them. Unless, okay. Yeah. In less than 30 minutes of that interview or interrogation, she had told them about six murders. In less than 30 minutes. In less than 30 minutes. Huh. So you hear about Isabel. Okay. Farida. Jean-Marie. Elizabeth. Celine. And manana. Okay. Um, she said, I'll tell you about the other two girls' deaths, and I'm not, there is like a Natasha and a Fabine, I think, or I don't, I don't know how to say that one, but I don't, unless they talks about it later in the documentary and I haven't quite got to the end, I don't know anything about those two. Okay. But we're looking at a total of eight. Yes. Okay. Um, six, like, definitive, know those. Yeah. And then I don't know about these other two. And then it gives you kind of like their timeline, um, which is weird because I want to say I said 2000. That might have just been when the police came across it. So you have from December of 87 to 88, like December 1987 is the first one. And that was Isabel, right? Yes. Okay. And then April 88, and I don't know which girl that was. Okay. Um, Then you have August of 88 and then March of 89. Yep. December of 89. November of 1990, mm-hmm. and then it jumps to May 2000. I'm telling you, there was not a 10-year gap. And then May of 2001. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, there are more bodies. There are more missing little girls. The prosecutor would agree with you. He says that multiple times. He didn't take a 10-year break after mm-hmm. doing so many. No, I don't think so. Um, between, like, if he started in 87, and I'm sure he worked his way up to murder. Mm-hmm. So, a bunch of rapes before and attempted assaults and molestations that nobody knows anything about. Like, he didn't just wake up one day and was like, you know what? I'm going to go murder an 11-year-old or however old the girls yeah. are or a 17-year-old. Like, he worked his way up to that. Yeah. And you were not wrong. And, huh? You were not wrong. <laughs> Yay. But you can't tell me there's a 10-year gap. You cannot. I mean, you, you can tell me that. That's what they know. That's what she's claiming. But there's not. No. He didn't take a break for 10 years. There's no way. So it even, uh, the things like they thought maybe she was lying. And I don't know if they thought she was lying about the ones she confirmed or just in general that there was this 10-year gap. But probably they had both. eight murders by the end. So the 28th of June um, of 04. 
I don't know why I have that written. I guess this is when she's given more information to them. She tells them that Isabel was the first that she knew about, which I found very interesting that she used those words. She said it's the first one that she knew about. It's the first one that she was a part of. I Maybe think, not a part I don't of. Know. But, no, I agree with you. I just thought that was, she was very definitive in that. The, the, I, it starts with this one. Yeah. that I know of. Knowing full well they had discussions about others he's done in the past, please. Or, or other things he's done yeah. in the past. So she said that she, that Isabel was the first one she helped out with and that she thought that he was just going to rape her. Um, she said that she heard her screaming but did nothing. The manana Tupong I was telling you about, she mm-hmm. was trapped in the van the entire time. Um, he asked her to take her clothes off, made her thank him. And then he killed her. She said that he likes when they beg. Um, like he he liked when they'd ask him to do what he was going to do to them. Like he'd a- they'd have to ask yeah. him to rape them. Yeah. Like he's a sick individual. She said she never stopped anything or told anyone because she was afraid. Uh-huh. So June 30th of 04, Michelle finds out over the radio that Monique had turned him in. So, um... They didn't have him? Oh, he was he's still in, in jail. Yeah. Oh, he was listening to yeah. the radio in jail. And they announced it. <laughs> and that's how he found out she, like, turned on him. Oh, wow. Um, when they interviewed him, I found it interesting. Initially, he, right off the gate, said, one of my wife's qualities is that she is not dishonest. Um, she accepted what I said to survive, she thought she did her role not knowing anything like she just she did what I told her to do she's not involved in this but officers were like I just don't it's not sitting right with us like they felt like she had more to tell um and then he did admit that she did participate in the abduction of abduction of Isabel okay but that's really it that's the only thing that he would admit that she did. Mm-hmm. He uh, was very much like... It's me. Yeah. So, I did it. She was forced to do it. She just did as she told. Like, you saw her. She's just meek and mild. And, you know, she would never not do anything. And it got, jumps to, like, 2022. And it's, like, her prosecutor talking to her. And she's saying, like, she doesn't regret speaking up. That she should... She deserves to be in prison. But she is not the same as him. Like, she, her role is less than his role. People should know that. Like, it's not, she's better. He's an animal. She's good. Ish. All right. So he had, okay. So. I. So you're both hellhounds. He's just rabid. Is what you're going with? Yeah, but she's even, like, more so downplaying. Like, I'm I'm a dog, but, like, I he's a hellhound. I, I don't want to disparage dogs. I, I refuse. I couldn't even think of an ample animal that I would want to compare it to. Well, that's how that's she, why I want hellhound. Well, that, she always, whatever he is, she's, like, way less. No. That's always her thing. So they found out that she participated in at least five of the seven. Five of the seven adoptions, murders, ki- All rapes. It. She participated in five of the seven, period, okay. in all aspects of it. And I'll explain. Well, before you do that, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Okay. Okay. So Monique and Michelle met in 1987. Okay. I'm going to tell you about Monique first. She was divorced. She had two kids, and she lost custody of those two kids. She found, you know I hate this, she saw an ad in a Christian magazine of an inmate asking for a pen pal to, it's not excuse, to help pass the loneliness, okay? So she started writing. Fortnite. Michelle, yep. Okay. I hate that so much. Um, he sent her 133 letters. Okay. And she sent him 84. Okay. And all of her letters, letters, <laughs> in all of her letters, she talks about being like lonely and alone and just by herself. Right. The people in the documentary say that Michelle preyed on that. 
that he took advantage of her being lonely and used it for his advantage. Four months of correspondence, he asked her to marry her. Four days later, she accepts. Four months. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. Let's make sure uh, AC is grasping this. He is in prison. He is. Do we know what for? I'm about to tell you. Okay. So he's in prison. Mm -hmm. She knows he's in prison. Mm -hmm. They write letters Mm -hmm. for four months. He asks her to marry him while he's still in prison, mm-hmm. and she accepts. Yes. All right. Next part is she knows why he's in prison, which is the biggest, like, hello, ever. He is in prison for rape. Okay. And he tells her so. Okay. Never once denied it downplayed it anything he wrote about it in a notebook and it shows you part of it um it's all in french so obviously i can't tell you what it says but the parts that it tells me in english are (laughs) it says number one like 1977 it says high school student and then exposure and then it jumps to number two 1981 it said he kissed her face like you should have seen her face when he did that apparently i'm assuming it's another young person um, then it jumps to 4, 1982. It names off a person. Um, it, I don't really know what he did with that person. And then it jumps to number 16, and that's when he was arrested because he forcefully tried to rape a girl and had to hold her down, and mm-hmm. he was caught for that. Oh, so all that stuff I said about working his way up. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, and he, he kept them. And like he, he kept wrote them out. Mm-hmm. Hey, you gotta love the psychopaths list. So this whole, the whole documentary is like about her, right? It's called The Monster's Wife. Right. So they want you to understand her past so that you can understand why she made the decisions she made. I don't buy into this, but I, we'll listen to it. I'll listen to you tell me the story, but I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. Just because you're traumatized or abused does not excuse your behavior. It might explain it. But it doesn't excuse it. I think that's perfectly said. Um, Period. So go ahead and tell me the story of this. Tell me about these babies. In 1971, um, I guess is when she got married. It's talk. They talked to her ex-husband, and he doesn't say anything bad about her. It shows him like painting, and he says that she was attentive to the kids, that she did not make any decisions whatsoever, but that she was good like they didn't have any problems she states that things were fine until he became a painter and then he changed she said that the he would beat her he would torture her she said it was the fumes from the paint that made him like aggressive okay um he made her pose for hours while he would paint her and then he would like kick her out if somebody showed up because she was his muse nobody could see her um he said she said he beat her with a belt, held her under hot water, kicked her in the back, pimped her out, all this stuff. Now, it's never been confirmed or proven. Well, I mean, obviously, there had to be some kind of issues that got divorced. So there had to be something there. Yes. And she lost custody of the kids. She abandoned them. That's uh, why. So she left. She ran away, permanently permanently abandoning her two children. Okay. So that leads some credence to her story maybe because she did leave and and left abruptly but i just as a mama i can't leave my babies if you're abusive i'm not leaving my babies no i get that but But maybe he wasn't abusive Uh, to the kids i'm just saying maybe she had never seen that abuse to the kids yeah but you're there i get what you're saying i'm just saying like it's potential but that leads some credence to her story it does but nothing was ever reported right um, a lot of women don't report. True, but I don't know. She has no parents, no family. I would anymore. like to get, know more about that. Yeah, she's completely by herself. So in 1987, she met Fortney, and he tells her, like, he wants her. He'll avenge her. He'll help her get her kids. Um, and this is when you find out that Michelle is obsessed with virginity. Uh-huh. So it tells a story in 
and I didn't write it down because I wasn't going to initially say it, but it's so bizarre to me. He talks about, or he tells somebody, because he, he never speaks in the documentary, that he was, like, riding his bike down the road one day, and he saw um, the Virgin Mary and the uh, Immaculate Conception, and he ended up in a field somewhere in just, uh, what's the word? Ecstasy? In ecstasy. I need to know what drugs he That's all it tells you. And it's like, cool. Everybody just accepted, like, okay, and moves on. I'm like, but no. No. There's so many questions about this. First of all, how'd you know it was the Virgin Mary? And what did you smoke or take? What 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 kind of what what was you taking? Yes. Like that that sounds pretty trippy to me. Super it obsessed was with 80, it. 70s, 80s? Would have been younger than that because he was young. Okay, so acid was a thing for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody slipped him something, I don't know, or he did it himself. He called he called his obsession with virginity a demon. Like okay. the demon, you know, was obsessed with this. He called his victims membranes on legs. Yeah. He called his penis my rainbow. Oh, dear God. Yeah. He's told her all of this in the letters. Let me make that clear. Like, this is correspondence that they're having. So she's aware of all of this. Uh Uh-huh. She agrees to find him a virgin if he will kill her husband, and then they'll get money. That is their plan. It is in their letters. Okay. Oh, my head hurts. All right. So Monique Mm -hmm. promises Fortnay Mm -hmm. that... When he's released, she'll find him a virgin. That she'll find him a virgin if he kills her ex-husband? I think it was just, it's happening regardless. But, okay, so part one, I find, find him a virgin. A virgin. Mm-hmm. Part two, sorry. you... Oh, sorry. Nigel's talking. Yeah. Um, he says he's sorry, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, part two, you kill my ex-husband. Yep. And part three, we're going to get money. Yep. Okay. Like, that was their whole plan. That's life. I Right. So, he gets out. Virgin sacrifice, man. Essentially. Okay. So, he gets out in sometime before the 11th of December of 1987, because that's when they kidnap Isabel. Okay. And I know that they want you to understand, like, she has this troubled back or whatever. But when I tell you the amount of stuff she did, I think it, it changes it. At least for me, it did. Yeah. So, she picked Isabel. She was the one that determined that's going to be who his first victim is. Does it give any details on how she picked her? She was just... Available? I think they had seen her route, and she had watched her a couple times. So, she's like, that's what we're going to do. So, her and Fortney devises this plan that he's going to get out because it's going to be more trusting for a female to get in the car with a female than it is a female to get in the car with a male. So True. It is. So he gets, up until now, right? You can't get in the car with anybody. Um, he they devise this plan that he's going to get out. He's going to pretend that he's a hitchhiker and that Monique is going to drive up to Isabel, ask her for directions or something, offer her a lift. I think is what it was. He off, she offered her a lift, tells her to get into the car, and then as they're driving, she's going to happen to spot Fortnay and she's going to stop and pick him up too because he's a hitchhiker as well and needs a ride. So this was their whole plan. And how, does it say how old Isabel was? 17. 17, okay. Yeah. So they they do their plan. She's walking down the side of the road. She pulls over, offers her a ride. She gets in. Then they pick up Fortnay. And then Monique is the one that makes her take the date rape drugs out of the glove box. Okay. Okay. They take her back to the, the house. And I'm assuming that's the little hobble thing that they were living in, in the little town, um, for her to rape. For him to rape her. So he has erectile dysfunction. Like he could not get ready to do the rape. So she actually performed, they call it fellatio. So that's what we're going to call it. Fellatio. She performed fellatio on him to get him ready so that he could go in and rape Isabel. Okay. Okay. Um, she even tells him, like, I don't know how she could do what she did, but she did it. And then they talk about how she just had no guilt for the, uh, Monique had no guilt for the victims. She just kept using statements like, losing your virginity doesn't kill you, rape doesn't kill you. 
It's like, yeah, but killing you kills you. And he killed them. Like, I don't understand that. But I guess she felt like she didn't participate in that part of it. So, therefore, she's not the same. No. Agreed. (laughs) No, you facilitated this whole thing. You're worse. This, too. Like, he wouldn't have been able to do it. Right. Like, you facilitated. I mean, he could have grabbed her up, but. He wouldn't have been able to. He would have probably killed her. He would have probably killed her, but he wouldn't have been able to rape her. I'm not saying that rape equates to murder. I'm not going there, but I'm just saying, like... Or he may have, you know, chickened out altogether. Like, we if he didn't have a partner. Mm-hmm. But, and someone driving him forward. Like, I feel like maybe there was some, oh, crap, you know, and then she's like, no. And, like, keeps... Like, we're doing this. Like, yeah, you're invested now. Yes. So... It's interesting to know he had never killed before. So he had assaults, obviously. He was in prison for, I don't really know exactly how long it doesn't say, but he had been in prison before for this kind of stuff. But he had never killed anybody. Two months after being let out, he does. Nine months later, they have a son. Oh, great. So they commemorated this moment. By having sex. By having sex after he did this, resulting in her son. Great. And one of the detectives says that's what kind of brings in a human sacrifice type element. It's not elephant. um, Because it's like you kill one life while bringing another life in. So they thought that that might have been a play. I don't think that that's what it was. I think they were just sick individuals. And they got off on that. No, but they were definitely sacrificing virgins. Like... He just was obsessed with killing him. And taking it. And taking it. Like, he had to take it. Right. So we jumped to 1989, um, and that's when they take Elizabeth. She would go to her friend's house. It was a few miles away. And then she would come home at night. She did this all the time. Um, In this particular instance, um, she walked to her friend's house. Michelle and Monique talk about... She's walking the one way. They follow her. They see where she goes. They turn around and park so that when she's coming out, they'll see her. Mm -hmm. They sat in that car for three hours waiting for her to come out so they could take her. Their baby, their young baby that was only a few months old, is in the car. Great. This whole time. So he's crying. He's upset. He's hungry. So when they pull up to Elizabeth, they make it out to her that you know the baby's sick he's he we need a doctor do you know where a doctor is like can you help us she gets in to help them and same thing Mm. so yeah they basically use that baby as bait for at least one victim Mm -hmm. um okay so then it doesn't really say I guess when she was telling detectives about this particular case, um, yeah, when they were telling her, that's when they found out that they had a chateau. Hmm. So they have the little hobble, and then they have this really, really nice chateau and on several acres of property. Um, At this point, Michelle is cooperating, and he's, like, pointing out like they have a map of the chateau like the grounds and he's like marking like it's either here or it's here like trying to find her body like it's either in this area or this area this is also when you find out that he has an excavator that he has lovingly named dino okay and that obviously he used on a regular basis so everybody goes out to the chateau there's like all these people they have the the team out there the dogs are looking in all the different areas they dig up the one spot that they think is elizabeth mm-hmm. and it is actually another victim jean marie oh, and she's 22 jean marie mm-hmm. jean marie um when they find her they're like okay crap He's like, well, it's not her. You got to go over here and dig here. And it was like much closer to the house. The second plot was. Mm -hmm. And that's when they found Elizabeth buried there. He told this part I found so creepy. So I wrote it down. Michelle told the prosecutor, did you know that when I strangled this girl, speaking of Elizabeth, she was the same age as your daughter is now. And the prosecutor's like, I didn't even know he knew I had a daughter. Right. That would be that. That would have hit me wrong. Yeah, same. I, same. I don't know what reaction I would have had. I just know it wouldn't be good. 
Yeah. I mean, I would want to pin you to the wall. Like, <laughs> I would yes. really, really try to, like, make, make sure, sure you never got a... all the, like, well, I mean, I don't know how the French justice system is, but that's too. Yeah. The, yeah. So he went, the prosecutor went to Monique because he's like, maybe she can give me something else. Like, he's just, honestly, he's just being a creep. I want to go see what she's got going on. And everybody was really somber. He talked about, you know, they just found these two bodies. I don't know how many more they're going to find on this property. Everybody is very, like... Sad. Yeah, they, even when they when they hit the, the first body, there was, like, a scream because people were shocked that they had... Like, this was this is real. Yeah. Because, you know, they're hoping that it's all a really bad nightmare from some crazy people. Yeah, and I didn't mention it, but this was, like, at that time, the most prolific serial killer person that they had if any of this was factual this was the first time that was really on their radar to be like this is this is more than one right so he goes to monique and he's like talking to her and she was crying but the only thing she was crying about was being in handcuffs that she was in handcuffs the same as him well yeah she just couldn't you knew where these bodies were yeah she just couldn't wrap her head around that why because she's not the same as him but you are. I agreed. So police are like, okay, we've been to your house and it's a dump, like to put it nicely. How are you affording a chateau? And I'm talking, this thing's like three stories. There's like a whole nother building that's like, looks like the size of a house right. off on it. And then all this property. So like, how, how? How did you get this? Yeah. So they start going back into... Michelle's history. Mm-hmm. While he was in prison, he met a cellmate, Jean-Pierre. He was in there for, like, organized crime and stuff, just different things. He was apparently in cahoots with something called the Wigs Gang. Yeah, I ain't touching it. I don't need to make <laughs> anybody mad at me. But So there was, they apparently had, like, strings of bank robberies and, like, got a lot. So he had kind of this stash. They call it a hoard. Yeah. Um. I don't know if it says it's in a cemetery or I'm just putting it there because that's where most like <laughs> movies put it, but wherever. He buried it. He buried it. <laughs> and I mean, Michelle and no, Monique and Jean Pierre's wife, Farida, um, had become friends. Oh, yeah. So when Jean Pierre was going to send her to get the, the hoard, he tells her, you know, why don't you ask Michelle to go with you? Monique? No, Michelle, like, because um, a man, because hey. he knew they were married. He knew Michelle. He's hey. like, why don't you just ask them to and go he was with already you? Out. Michelle was. Okay, gotcha. All right. He's like, just ask them to go with you to help you get this hoard. So she's like, okay. Well, they go to her. They find they go to the stash and they find kilos of gold. That's how it describes it in the documentary. So Michelle immediately determined, yeah, we're not sharing this. Like, we're taking this money from her. And Well, that's, you know, what, number three went off the list, get money. Exactly. So he claims Monique killed Farida. And it says she was killed with a bayonet. And the only thing I can figure is that's the, the knife on the end of, like, the old school gun, right? That's what I think. When somebody says bayonet to me, I think World War II, like, yeah, or even Civil War. Yeah. Like, a, a picture of musket. Yes, with the blade <laughs> on the end. Right. Maybe it means something different. Please enlighten know. us if you're from France and listening. <laughs> and we don't mean to be ignorant. <laughs> don't be mad at us. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, so all they know, they never found her body, by the way. The only way that they knew, all that they know is that she was killed in the trunk. Apparently uh, there's enough of one of their cars. cars. Okay. There's enough evidence in that car, which is creepy to me because that means they kept driving that car well yeah yeah so i'm just picturing grossness everywhere well the part that's interesting is jean pierre the gangster yes they call it organized crime and i'm just like you and the mob like whatever the french mob anyway he talks about farida he never heard from her so 
Monique goes in to see him and he said like she cried and cried and was very like oh my gosh like I don't know she's just gone I don't know what happened like making it out like almost like she took off with the money and he said I completely believed her he's like she fooled me completely because you get to hear from him in the documentary oh wow like he's still in jail and he's talking about he did not he believed her. He believed that she just took off. Yep. He said Monique did such a good job. Like So she's a really good actress. Mm-hmm. So after some time went by and he found out, hold up, Michelle just bought a $1.2 million chateau in cash. And it got back to him and he was like, they're my money. They killed her. So he actually writes law enforcement to tell them, like, hey, I think there's foul play here. But I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you'd be like, hey, listen, I had a stash of money that we stole, and they went to go get it, and he stole it from me. It's very similar to another story, but we can't share. But, yeah. Yeah, but, at, I mean, this point, you already lost your money, and now you lost your wife. So yeah. you ain't going to get the money regardless. So, yeah, heck yeah. I'd be like, look, I hid it here. I told her to go get it. And she asked them, and she's never heard from again. Like, I understand I shouldn't have had the kilos of gold or whatever, right. but she did. Well, find my wife. They ignored him because he was a convict. Oh, yeah, of course. So, um, Michelle used that money to fund his criminal activity from that point on, or quote, his hunts. Ugh. All right. Um,. So, but the part I thought was interesting is they kept living the day-to-day in the hobble, like in that tiny little space. Maybe the the hope was that they would never be able to link the two properties together. Potentially. Uh, very, very possibly. I mean, I don't maybe. Know. I don't know. Or maybe the chateau was too far out from the killing fields. And, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. So then... Monique is talking about how, like, he would get victims. And she says his favorite thing was the all-pierre, like, all-pierre. You know what I'm talking about? Like, a person that comes and lives in the house to take care of the child. That technique. Yeah. He would put in an ad and ask them to come in. They had to be, it was always like, you have to live alone, which, red flag. And, like, you have to, what was it? You have to live alone. You have to be a certain age. I don't remember what it was. Like, the younger, the better. Um, she says that young girls would come to the house, that he would take them into the room, she would hear screaming, and then she would never see them again. So he, she, quote, assumed he, quote, eliminated them. But we don't know how many of those there were. Could, they didn't keep a list of those names? Apparently not. It says, mm-hmm. I have name unknown. Six to seven girls have been in that house that she talks about but doesn't know their names, which I don't believe. Right. So they were coming to essentially apply for a job. Yep. To be interviewed for a job. Yep. Maybe would come one day and then never get, like, come one day, that would be fine, and the next time they didn't leave. Okay. And then they would put another ad in and just. And this was at the Hobble House or the Chateau? The Hobble House. Okay. All right. Um, She wrote the ads, by the way. Of course she did. So. Just thought that was interesting. She said that she never knew what the plans were for them, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. I know. So a Joanna Parrish, um, she was offering English lessons to children. So they actually called her, and obviously they murdered her. They found her in a river, raped. Um, so not all of the victims ha- are buried at the chateau. No. It said, it looks like she was raped, I think, on the riverbank. He attacked her in the van and then maybe raped her then and then threw her out. It should be noted that when this attack happened, Monique was in the van the entire time and did nothing. So the whole time mm-hmm. he's doing all of this, she's in that van. Um, the mother of Joanna is talking about how there wasn't anything done at that time. Like, she was told by law enforcement, basically, shut up, sit down, they'll hit again, and we'll solve it then. There was no media. There was no, what she said, no investigation at that time. Mm, she was just kind of okay. dismissed. Yeah, and that's not okay. Mm-mm. So this was, I mean, I don't exactly know the year when that happened, but we know 
all most of the other girls happened after. Oh. I mean, maybe they didn't have enough evidence to link it to anybody as far as that goes, but you should have still pursued It should have been on the... Well, I feel like it should have been out, like, young girls are disappearing and, you know, yeah. found, being found raped. Like, be How smart, be vigilant. Don't get in strangers' cars. Right. Look, Don't help nobody. You know there's a man involved, so be careful, be wary. Right. You know, you know just something to bring awareness to the situation. Um... I think this is going to wrap up pretty good for the first part. Okay. <laughs> so you also meet um, Jean Mar- Jean Marie. I think that is the 22 year old that we talked about. Yeah. She says that she met a man. Um, she tells her mother that she met a man who was very nice and that he offered for her to meet his wife and child. The first time that she went over to their house, everything was perfectly fine. The second time she went over, apparently they started asking her about her virginity Mm-mm. and she's like I'm uncomfortable I'm ready to leave because I think they met at like a almost like a church thing and he catches her she tries to leave and he catches her at the door and then Monique helps suffocate strangle kill her essentially he didn't rape that one it doesn't say um, I'm assuming that he did if he's asking her about her virginity unless she disclosed she wasn't or something right but it doesn't definitively say she was raped. Oh, my God. But Monique again says that she was just a cog in the wheel, and she was just always afraid. So there was nothing she could do. Okay, so here's the thing. I understand. I get coercive control, okay? Mm-hmm. And I do get that. I really do. So I listened to a podcast called Crime Analyst and um, love her. She's great. Um, She talks a lot about uh, femicide Mm -hmm. and coercive control and how women are victims to coercive control. However, this lady knew going into this relationship what he was about mm-hmm. had already promised to participate and by he, finding him a virgin. He made no qualms about who he was, what he was interested in, what he wanted, and why he was in prison. Like he, he never once misrepresented himself. Right. You put yourself as a cog in that wheel. Yeah, because you could have bowed out when he was in prison. Yeah. I mean, granted, you gave him your address, but you you could have bowed out. When he told you, hey, I'm in here for all these assaults on women and a rape, okay, well, I'm done. Yeah. Like, no, but she didn't. No, and she even went as far, and and not even in a way of like, okay, well, I forgive you of your previous, whatever, let's Mm -hmm. start a new life. You're rehabilitated, da-da-da-da-da. None of that. It's like, okay, I'll get you a virgin. But you got to kill my husband, which right. he never did. Right. <laughs> I think she should be held accountable for her actions and her part in this. Now, maybe she never actually took a life as far as like physically took a life, but mm-hmm. evidently she took Frida's. Yeah, she did. So, honey, you get what you get. You're just as bad as a monster as he is. I'm sorry. And see, I almost feel like even worse. And the reason I be the reason I say that is because she used her baby to lure the one girl. Yeah. She got Isabel. Yeah. She, he got Jean Marie. It sounds like because he met her first, and this all Pierre, all Pierre. I can't. I know that's not right. The nanny technique. Yeah. Okay. She wrote. She wrote the ad, and right. then she was like, "But I don't know what happened." But you knew. Okay, I'll buy that. You didn't know what's happened. So the first time he wrote the ad and he killed the girl and she just disappeared and you heard screaming and then just you assumed he eliminated her. Why did you write another one? Why did you participate in letting another one she come? She was scared. How are you scared? Because he might do it to her. Well, apparently you enjoyed it because after you killed Isabel, you and him got it on and had a baby exactly nine months later. Yeah. 
That doesn't strike as, and she never says that he forced himself on her. No, so that's another thing. Like, I'm not hearing anything like how he made her do this, Mm-mm. why she was afraid. Yeah, I don't hear any of that. Like, did he beat you? Did he hit you? Did he threaten your life? I don't. You know, I'm. I'm did he choke you out? Did he force himself on you? Did he do all the things that? typically in a in a relationship that's abused like is doing like i can't even you're not even telling me that she said he called her ugly names no as far as i know where i'm at there's i don't think there's anything that indicated he was ever physical with her or psychologically abusive Mm -hmm. yeah i got nothing for you girl you did this like you did this and you should be held accountable yeah. And you are a little worse because you were free. And you used your baby. Yes, Lord. We can't, look, we, we don't get in that. I don't want to teach anybody how to kill me, so we ain't going to get in that conversation. But that you're a despicable human being if you use a child. Yeah. And I just think about the poor baby in the car, like upset and crying, and you can't even go home because, because we're stalking out a, I don't know how old Elizabeth was, but from her picture, she could not have been more than like 11. So it's like you stalked this girl out the whole, like, I just don't understand. And you can't even take your child home to care for him because you're sitting in the car with your crazy hut. I don't buy that. No. And then she's the one forcing the girls to take the drugs. Right. It's like if you have the capability to do that, you could have slipped him something. You could have murdered him. Or, hey, you could have went to the police. Mm Mm-hmm. But her hands were dirty. Yeah. She wasn't going to do that. But she keeps singing the song. And I know we're going to get into her trial, well, their trial, next week. Mm -hmm. But I have to tell you this to leave it on. When they start her trial, she immediately tells, they said the audience, because I don't think they have like a jury like the way we do. They have a panel. Right. Is the way that it shows on the documentary. She says, when the women in the audience see what I went through, they will understand me before it ever began. Okay. And I will tell you more. Next week. Next week. All right. Y'all know what to do. Rate, follow, review, uh, merch, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Make sure that you are following so you don't ever miss an episode. Right, because you never know what we're going to come up with. But also, we'll catch you on Friday for free for all. Bye. Good night.